welcome back to the seventh, seventh episode of Artistic State of Mind podcast. I am Chama K and this week, uh, Jules is away on uh, some special projects. So I have uh, enlisted the services of a good friend of mine, a seasoned podcaster, (laughs) even more seasoned tweeter. Miss Satya Dia. Satya, say hi to the people there. Hello. Thanks for using my government name. Yeah, of course. I'm I'm really happy about that. Straight up there. I'm pretty sure everyone knows your name, though, to be honest. (laughs) I doubt it. Okay, well, they do now. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Why, Um, have you got enemies? I shall hide from people. Yeah, I do. Like, I don't want to be bae. Thanks for having me on. You are very big. Thanks for having me on, Charma. And you, you are most welcome. I hope Jules is having fun on her project. She's sorely missed. She is sorely missed. Yeah, I, listen, Jules, I know you're, she's deep in that, like, uh, deadline. Yeah. Mm, you know that deadline? In the zone. That, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, them ones no. there. So, yeah, Jules. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take some time. This is podcast. Relax. Mm. You know, we all know that great things are coming from you. So, no worries. You got this girl. Is this the first one of the year? This is the first one of the year. So I happy- like, did I say that at the start? No, you happy- didn't. Wow. <laughs> so how, how am I coming here and just be like, mm. I'm thinking you're running the ship now. <laughs> happy New Year. Happy 2019. Yes, I hope you had a great start to 2019. Uh, those sharp-eared of you would notice that there's another voice in the studio. Hey. Uh, we are joined by a special guest today for our first show of the year, Miss Nicole Aqua. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, Nicole is a poet a writer and a performer and her new show I Stopped to Win yep. is going to be playing at the Vault Festival mm-hmm. in January what are the dates? Uh, January the 23rd to 27th so next week Wednesday it starts oh there you go so, so soon. that is literally less than a week where, where, where is that? Where is the Vault Festival? Uh, it's by Waterloo Station yeah. it's like literally underneath see I went there last year <laughs> what Vault Festival? yeah I was there last year oh cool oh, was mm-hmm. it? Uh, what, what do what you see? I, there was one that had like a cocaine in the title. I just that's the only remember. That's, that's what you went to. That's what stands out. I actually out. think I know what, yeah. what you yeah. Yeah, it was something you. about cocaine and something. It was quite yeah, but it was good. <laughs> yeah. So Satya and her cocaine fix. Uh, we'll be talking about um, Nicole and her show later on. But first, we're gonna go to what's the downbeat, the latest and goal. Firstly, what's going on in people's personal lives? Let's let's let's, let's see. Let's check in <laughs> with everyone. Hmm. So, it's 2019. Yes, Satya, talk to me. What's um, I'm hoping to life? get uh, my project off the ground, yes. Diaspora Development. We've got our launch next month. Mm-hmm. And what is Diaspora Development? So, we are a group of women who mm-hmm. work in international development and generally the third sector, charity work. And we're trying to up the representation of, you know, skin folk in there. We've got to be there, especially as like, a lot of like the global south does look like us and I feel like we should be in the room mm. when these things are happening. Yeah. Um, and we've we've seen how it can go quite wrong. Um, so we're gonna launch a podcast. Um, we're also gonna have like the the main launch of the event and we'll be doing like workshops and mm. panels throughout the year. We had a brunch which was very successful last year. So if you're into the third sector, anything to do with development, charity, NGOs. Join us, find us, Diaspora Development on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere else, on Instagram. So yeah, I had to make sure to plug that. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for plugging that. Love that, love that. And what about you? See, about I, know, I know you've got news to share, yeah. What, so, what, what, so I'm just looking at you like... What news to share? What news? Like, I actually genuinely don't. There's, Not actually, nothing... there's actual things that happened last 
December. Oh yeah, but all, all the listeners know. Uh, oh, they already know. Yeah, come oh, on, man. Okay, but, yourself. but can I just congratulate you thank again? You very much, once thank again. You very much, so thank our you. boy is getting married. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I got engaged. Congrats. In December. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, this is now the second time I've mentioned it on the podcast. But like congrats. it's a big deal. Yeah, like, big deal. like two yeah. people, two awesome. people making this commitment. Yeah. Finding finding each other, first of all. And mm-hmm. then getting it and understanding one another and that's you know, you've got the question. Agreeing to marry. Yeah. yeah. Did you already talk about it on the podcast already? Like, yeah, did, did yeah, you yeah. propose? Uh, yeah. I proposed, did you talk yeah. about how you how you proposed? Yeah, it's all it's all oh, been okay. discussed. Right, so I need, if you to, want I to, know, need to catch up then. If you want to know how I proposed, go listen to the episode before this and it's okay. all the details are But it's there. cute. So yeah. yeah, congratulations. Yeah. And Nicole, what's happening with you? Um well, to be honest, a lot of it has been like show stuff, mm-hmm. which I won't get too much into because we'll talk about it later. Um and then just like sliding into 2019 with a lot of positivity. So I've been doing lots of like self-improvement stuff and like, like vision working boards on myself. And yeah, yeah. And just being like making sure that I'm like hitting everything that I want to yeah. hit and like exercising more and all of that jazz. So new year, yeah, new me. Do you nice. feel that pressure? It's been good. Um, yes, I used to feel it a lot more. Like when I was, I say peak of it, maybe like uh, late teens, early 20s. Yeah. Big time I used to feel it. But now... Hmm. So I think for me, it's more, it's less about where I want to be in December of this year, but more yeah. where I want to be in like three or four years, Yeah, which kind of sounds corny, but like my life is changing. Yeah. So, yes, yes um, it is. Yes, it yeah. is, brother. <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah, my priorities are changing about, you know, what I want. So it's not really about, okay, you know, I need to be here and hit that goal. Yeah. Uh, in three months or like 12 yeah. months or something like that. That's great. Like people want to do that. I'm not knocking that. That's great. But yeah, I think my focus this year, well, really from December uh, after the, you know, engagement, cut, yeah, all of that. Yeah, my focus is really mm-hmm. a bit more long term. Yeah, of course. I which, think uh, that's a good thing. Yeah. But you've got to like set the, you know. Yeah. I'm setting the building blocks. Yeah, prep the landscape. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. I'm, I'm clearing out <laughs> yeah. the landscape and. Uh, yeah, see what you need to do. Plant some seeds. I personally find New Year's resolutions quite corny, so mm. I've never, <laughs> I've never really done them because, really, from the thirty first of December to the first of January, no, nothing changed. Nothing changed. No, I'm nothing still changed. me, still a G, you know. Okay, all right. <laughs> still me. So. Moving on as swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the downbeat, the part of the show where we talk about the latest news in the world of music, theatre, TV screen and and uh, your movie screens. Uh, so Satya, you have some uh, film, film stuff yeah. you want to share with us. Um, so basically, really quickly, I went to see Into the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. um, a couple of days ago. Yeah. Brilliant. Miles, Miles Morales. Miles Morales. Yeah. That's like, for me personally, that's like the best Spider-Man I've ever seen. That's anyway. what everyone said. I've been yeah. hearing really good things. Yeah. About it. It's been brilliant. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, also news, um, Aquaman. Aqu- Aqu- oh, hold on. Say, say Aquaman. <laughs> Sorry. The Portuguese jumped out. Aquaman <laughs> reached a billion sales. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I've heard mixed things about Aquaman. You know, see, I still have to go see it because my babe's there. Um, that's that's the only positive thing I've heard about. That's the it. only reason I'm gonna go see it. Yeah, that, my babe's um, there. Rocky Lord is in. Is in. Carl, Carl Drago's in there. That is a man. Looking anyway, overly so... fine and stuff like that's all I've heard about it. But positive. surprisingly, they've reached a billion dollars, and that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. But he's also got for like a DC big pecs for a DC so, character. Bruh. Yeah, the pecs helped. I, I think they helped a lot. <laughs> the pecs are bringing nervous. everyone yeah. to the film. Um, for something that's up and coming, um, Disney Pixar are releasing a short film 
called Float, mm-hmm. featuring the first CGI Filipino fa- um, family or characters. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was a feel-good news on the representation front, you know. More and more people are getting to see themselves yeah, is on this, the big screen. Is that what's going to be, you know, the uh, new frontier? Because last year we had Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. So is Moana. That, yeah. yeah. That. Moana we had, uh, yeah, that's like Polynesia. So I guess mm-hmm. it is all about like everybody, all, every, all corners Black of the Panther, world. Every, yeah, everyone, Black Panther. Everyone yeah. deserves to see themselves on the yeah, big screen. Very so much so, yeah. I'm very happy about that. And I think I've got two more and that's it. Yeah, yeah go on, <laughs> um, that. In other news, uh, The Upside... Uh, it, it, sorry, I don't want to be shady, but the upside featuring Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. Yeah, um, that I saw a still from it today. <laughs> that came out <clears throat> and actually exceeded box office expectations. So I mean, that's on like opening weekend, though, isn't it? Yeah, but then it, it, it never tells you the, about the quality of a film. It's got uh, a big, critically acclaimed name, and yeah. now whatever you think about Kevin Hart, a big. Uh, box office draw so that that could be hey it's got two things that people recognize i'm not really gonna say much about it but also okay. like after controversies like everything just goes up really for yeah a bit. so he's, he's been on his, people hear he's names been on his non-apology tour hasn't he oh um, uh, well, uh, oh mr hart yeah well <laughs> yes he has um Okay, forget. Well, I guess his stance is he's already apologized. So forget take Kevin that, Hart. take that as as you will. Forget Kevin Hart for a second. It's just the fact that this is a remake of of a French film. That's what. That's why I'm like giving it a look, a little bit of a side eye. Like yeah, but that's common. Like, lots of Hollywood films are remakes of uh, foreign films I'm not and fr- some really good ones. I'm not French, but I feel personally insulted. But we'll just leave uh, it. At see, that. But, uh, <laughs> you know what? I can't I can't throw shade at that because I know some of my favorite films. One of my favorite films. Uh, is The Departed. And I know that's a remake of like some film from Hong Kong or something. So I can't be like, no, don't remake this. And I'm, I'm like, like, I guess The Departed comes. I'm like, this bangs, man. But why can't you appreciate it in its original format? That's You know what? That's that's a debate for another day. we got a lot day. to talk about on yeah. this show, innit? So come, come finally, one day, innit? We'll talk about that. Finally, one. I'm going to shut up now. Um, Little nice. with um, Issa Rae and Regina Hall. And it's Marseille Martin's debut film. And she's the youngest Hollywood executive producer at 14. So this is her idea. So amazing. That's crazy. That is so amazing. That is dope. That's, That's so crazy. And yeah. it's so crazy to see um, Isa going from, Strength. like, it seems like Awkward Black Girl was on YouTube ten just years the other ago. day. But it was, yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah. Which and And, and I started so with Awkward Black Girl. Yeah. I remember specifically, I was like, I started with it, I loved her. Remember when uh, Awkward Black Girl went on a mid-season break because she needed to raise mm. like, like $5,000? Mm. I remember that. <laughs> and now I'm pretty sure she can cough and like... <laughs> She Five thousand dollars. Yeah, in like, oh like thirty seconds. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I feel it's like crazy. I read something like I don't know if it was probably not an agent or something, but I think maybe she the idea for the film was like rejected or something. Yeah, and some people were very much like, oh, there's no way this is going to be a thing. Mm. Like Marcy, but so she was like, I'm going to do this myself. Well, Awkward Black Girl or Marcy Martin? Um, no, for Little. For li- oh yeah, yeah. 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 So for Marcy Martin, apparently, one of her agents was just like, oh, just take a break. You're on Blackish. You're doing great. Just relax, sit in your laurels. Mm. And she said, no, you know, I, th- I think she fired him because he didn't believe in the dream. Sometimes you got to let yeah, people go. Yeah, mm-hmm. And um, she goes, no, I'm going to do it. That's and wild. she's the youngest EP in Hollywood. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, there yeah. you go. Black girl magic. And she watched Big. So this is like basically the premise of the film is the reverse of, of Big. Big. Yeah. Hence the name Little. <laughs> Little. Yeah. He's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for me, guys.
Well, for now. Um, <laughs> some music news. Well, uh, so the Brits nominations have uh, been announced. Uh, so there's a few black British acts on there who've got some nominations. Uh, Georgia Smith has got a nomination for Best UK Album. Best. She's actually got about three nominations. Best UK Album, Best British Female Artist and mm. British Breakthrough Act. Um, there's a couple more artists and then Mabel's been nominated for Best British Breakthrough Act and uh, Satya's favourite singer of all time in the history of the world. Absolutely loves her. LMA, can we tackle this on the podcast? <laughs> What's your beef with no. LMA? I don't want people to see. So you no, don't... but you, can't, you can't say you don't want people to say nothing about it. You're talking about want, it every to... other day. Just yesterday. <laughs> I, I What is it? I really can't stand or I can't listen to LMA. What is your beef with her? I just can't listen to her. Like It's like literally, this is the stuff that's going to make me go to sleep. I find it so... I find it so boring. I've heard people say that she's overhyped, that she's just making standard R and B, and people are gassing it. But you come on, sir. This is like that's like B tech R and B. Do you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I really can't B tech R and B. This is why she's like popping. No shade, no shade. Yes, girl, you were great, but no shade to her. But this is why she's popping in America because they they eat that stuff. They eat that whole lovey dovey crap. I was like, I can't listen. I can't do it. <laughs> Like, I, 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 it comes on, I'm just like, why? But anyway. Because people, people... Big ups to you, LMA. <laughs> she's, she's, she's a bit throwbacky, I think. That's why it is. Especially for, like, black Americans. Uh, so, yeah. But are we rocking with her like that? The Brits are. Yeah, the Brits, are they? Well, the Brits. But are the black Brits? <laughs> I think I think a lot are. Do you know what I mean? I've never heard no white white people playing now. I'm sure they do, but I haven't heard it. It's just a bit of a shame that she had to go to America to blow. Yeah, like well, that. her, sa- her sound is there. her sound though is very reminiscent of America. And do you know what? Yeah, so do you know what? Sense. I almost like dropped my phone once because when she started speaking on Boot Up, yeah? yes, a lot <laughs> of people. The thing is, I knew who she was a long like, time, <laughs> but lots of people. My cousin, my cousin was playing it, and uh, she was like, oh. Is she English? I said, but you've heard her speak the on the song. <laughs> yeah. So you know that she is. Anyway, um, Rams also got nominated for Best British Single. Mad thing. I literally have heard people, proper Essex people, Essex family, singing yeah. Barking Up. I, well, my mum lives in Dagenham. <laughs> so every, every, and I work in Dagenham. So every day I go through Barking. And yeah, there was a time when that song was out in the charts and whatever. Every time I stop up Barking on the CTC, I'm like Martin from Barking. <laughs> Family singing it. Yeah, I don't know how and what about that song became such a uh, also, that grabbed that... the British people. Ugh, we're just sliding backwards. I'm so sorry, but okay, all right. Let me such, let me keep <laughs> such cynicism. But Brits, who cares? Who who cares about the Brits? Nicole, care about the Brits? Not particularly. I'm not gonna lie. So <laughs> care about the Brits. Absolutely not. Personally, no. I don't. But I think the thing is, the artists genuinely do. Uh, and do you think so? Oh yeah, I man. Think, I think just Domsey was big. Asked about William Brits. I think they just go there for the party. Nah, I actually think I think that they see it, particularly like black British artists, and looking at how black British culture generally doesn't often get accepted as being a British culture. I think it's seen by black British artists so as, as validation. validation. Mm. Yeah. Whether that's right or wrong. Um, I guess I it's one of those things though where you, you know how people are saying things like, oh, this is old, this is old, but mm. not everyone's had their chance like yeah. in the limelight. So it's kind of not old to yeah. some people. 
yet. But I feel like I haven't been interested in an award ceremony since I was like maybe a teenager. Yeah, that's the thing. I think artists <clears throat> tend to be more interested in award ceremony. Industry people, I should say, tend to be more interested in award ceremonies than audiences. I think that's mm. fair to say. Um, yeah. Which is fair enough because I guess it's probably more pressure. Like, Yeah, and I think there is more... Like, take movies, for example. I think people are more interested in your um, Rotten Tomatoes score than whether something got 18 Oscar noms and 52 I, I, Golden Globes, personally. And I think it's kind of the same with music. If you're a num- if Spotify are pushing you in their playlists, people probably consciously or subconsciously care more about that than whether you got, you know, two Brits in the bag or not. My personal opinion. The world's changing, but industries are always slower to change. I just mean, like, in that's terms of prestige... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're not as prestigious anymore. Because it used to be like... Have they ever been? Yes. Yes, for sure. Like, I remember when I was proper young, you'd hear like, yeah, this person with the Brit, this person with the Grammy. You'd see the pictures of them on TV. They're like carrying all their 15 Grammys. Like, yeah. I I don't know. And like, ask me who won. I know Storms, who won two Brits last year. And that's it. That's the only reason I know about the Brits, though. That's, That's the only reason they're still like even a little bit relevant. Yeah. And I also think... Because I think music and who people like now is more mm. democratic. Yeah. So it's like, it's, you know, the field is wide open yeah. now. So basically anybody can blow. But they're trying it, the Brits, because I'm pretty sure, I think they had a link up last year with Apple Music. So they did um a, what are them playlist type things of like the best mm. of the Brits. But the problem with that is they vary so wild, wildly in, in genre. Like, like say best British single, sing, single. Yeah. Barkin's on there, but so is some George Ezra track, which I do like to be fair. Um, but are you gonna want to listen to them on one um one yeah. playlist? It's, yeah. a bit, it's a bit weird. Yeah. Anyway, let's drop that um and go to some theater news. So again, this is more industry, you know, saying what they want to say. Uh in the stages must see. I want to, I just watch, I said, let me see if the stage are gonna put any black shows on there. Must see. They did. Um so None. Well, only Progress. one of them is actually. Yeah. Well, only one <laughs> of them is actually uh, in London, and it's not even like. What do you say? It's a black show. It's got a black talent attached to it. Um, Death of a Salesman. Uh, Ariza Kede, of course, who uh wrote and starred in Misty, amongst other things, but Misty last year. He's so buff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw him with you in it twice. I think. No, once. No, we went to see um. What did you guys say? One, One night, night in Miami. Miami which yeah. We're going to talk, talk about yeah. later. But yeah, she, this girl was drooling, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let me, let me, let me say it's all right. Yeah. But he's one of them people who's conquered the market for everything. So you can act. Okay, that's nice. Mm-hmm. This guy can... Uh, can sing. Yeah. No, he, he can sing. <laughs> the guy's buff, bruv. Like, facially buff. Takes off his shirt. That's the way. Body's banging. God just blessed him, you know. And then he, <laughs> write, then he can write as well. He puts out a play. Everyone's drooling at the mouth for it. Relax, bro. Come on. Leave satin for the rest of us. And then when you have that, and then like, they're generally a good person as well. You're like, oh, come on. Yeah, like. <laughs> it's too much now. He seems, he seems approachable. He seems yeah. approachable. Like, you can be like, nah, hey, Renze. Nah. What's he... your number? What's your sign? To be fair, if you're listening, like, we'd love to love you, have you on the show. You know what I mean? Like. Congratulations to you and all the rest of it, but also relax. Uh, One Night in Miami is coming back uh, in Nottingham, actually. So it's going to be played at the okay. Nottingham Playhouse. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I want. What I, else is on that list of things? That, to that see? was literally it. Uh, and then Must See. And this is what I was interested in to see 
if the there was definitely clearly 2018, I think, a push to make theatre seem more diverse and from mm. theatre, shall we say, cultural influences on that kind of industry level, like the stage, Guardian, them type places there, to make uh, an appearance. I think the last couple of years has been an active effort. And I just wonder if that's going to continue on for another year. Because not like black people are going to be like, yeah, all right, we've made it now. It's like, stop, oh, black, stop writing. Are black stop people in place. fashion now? Or are they yeah, out I'm really interested. I'm really interested. That's the only reason I checked it out. Yeah. Really interested to see, you know, how if that, if that vibe keeps going or not. Uh, and television. Mm. So, only going to talk about one thing recently on TV. I think it's pretty, it's been pretty dominant. Um, in the discourse. In the discourse, yes, very much so. I listened to a podcast that was a response to this show just today. Um, Nicole, did you see Surviving R. Kelly? No. You did not, okay. I haven't seen it. Sacha, you did, right? I've read I a lot of it. articles about it. I, I, I think everyone's read articles, yeah. think pieces, something Tweets, or another. everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, Firstly, I see you haven't seen it, but your thoughts in general about what you've read about R. Kelly, has your thoughts changed from before and after hearing the responses, etc.? Um, I found it interesting to hear like lots of people's different views. Mm. And I was, so I was talking to a friend about this recently. Um, and we're kind of saying that is interesting to get to know more about like his childhood mm. and like in a way not in an excusing anything way mm. but in a just it for makes sense like you understand yeah. more yeah. like where everything has come from and it's one of those things where like you're gonna be messed up you know? yeah i do believe that when you're looking at a person you should try to look at the whole person yeah and i think i think that's fair and mm. obviously like i said it's not an excuse but it sets the groundwork, it's it's nuanced. And I think mm. if you're gonna make a documentary about anything, you need to be thorough. So mm. I'm not mad at the childhood. I know some people mm. were like, well, why is that there? But mm, he wasn't just a person, boom. He didn't come out of yeah, like yeah. out of a vacuum out of nowhere, you mm. know. So he came from somewhere. Yeah, and I think for me, the right criticism of that is not to say don't include that, because essentially it could potentially make people sympathetic to him, but actually. For me, the right um, criticism of that is he's clearly a man who had the resources and has had the resources for a very long time to address this mm. professionally. Mm. He's, what, 52 now, I think? Maybe even older than that. And he got famous. You know, the first big story that all everybody heard about was Leah when he was 27. So basically, for more than half of his life, he's had the resources to do something about this, to say, you know what, something real fucked up happened to me when I was a kid. It's clear that this fucked up thing is affecting me in my life. Maybe I should go sort this out. That's, that's, that is one, my personal opinion, and two, a relevant criticism mm. to people who go, oh, why do they yeah. put that in? They put that in because, yeah, you're right, it is context to mm. it. Um, but yeah, that's the reason why it's not an excuse because yeah. some people, yeah, particularly it. in America, where healthcare costs, where healthcare costs, can't be like, oh, some fucked up happened to me. Let me go, you know. Yeah, because that, that's what I was going to say right now. I, mean, mm. I, think, I think that's like with the luxury of, you know, having mm. access to these things as well. Mm. I'm not saying... Yeah, he, but he had he the had access, access to yeah. it. Yeah. But I think yeah. for, you know, the, the layman, the everyday mm. person, yeah. that might not be so straightforward. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's also exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, there's, also there's a massive stigma around, mm. you know, mental health, talking mm. about your emotions mm. and stuff like that. So... 
yeah, I hope people actually learn from this and like try and address trauma. Yeah, yeah, no, there's a stigma for real. Um, but there's also life and personal responsibility. I mean, oh, he yeah, was doing, yeah, he was, yeah. there's a stigma there, but then he was, I guess we have to say allegedly, uh, doing stuff that is also highly stigmatized as well. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's... He didn't break the curse. He yeah, just I was going to say, yeah, you mm, can, you're not like responsible for what happens to you, but then you have no, the responsibility to do to something about it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that's my personal opinion. I thought the documentary was good. Yeah. Um, bar a few... Questionable characters that shouldn't, shouldn't have been on the documentary. Say the name. Charlemagne. Yeah. And who was was it? Joe, was Joe Budden on it as well? Well, he wasn't really on Briefly. it. They just played a clip. Yeah. And I was just like, him. and I was just like, Ugh. where Charlemagne was on it. Yeah, that was jarring to me. Every mm. time I would see Charlemagne, I was just like, why? Mm. <laughs> like, I would just like lose my stuff. I was like, why? You know? Yeah. You um, know what bit jarred me personally a little bit? Um, Chance the rapper. Being like it was a mistake to make a song of fucking fuck out of here, man. It's, it's a mistake now for your brand and your reputation, Mr. Trinity Jesus rapper. Nah, the rapper. you knew, bro, like he, the rest of us. So don't come say he said something that was just really like a slap in the face. And he said he didn't take the accusation seriously because it happened to black women. Yeah, because because it came eh? from black women. And, yeah, and, and, and he apologized. And he apologized for that. And then he tried Excuse to clarify me? it with it. And it's like, his clarification made things worse. And I think what really, really like hurt, hurt you know, especially black women, me as a black woman, hearing like a fellow black person, a man, someone mm. who's like in proximity to me, say that, it's just that like... Do you not see me as a fully fledged human being? Mm-hmm. Do you not see black women like? Obviously, we already knew that these girls were um, just left to be abused because they were primarily black women mm-hmm. in America. So that intersection you have to talk about, right? Mm. But it it really does sting when you you know even though you know something, mm. but when someone verbalizes, vocalizes something, and says it straight up, it just it's just like a whole layer of like hurt that comes mm, again mm. and i feel like people were like oh well you already knew this so why are you you know complaining it's like that's not the point you know black women should also be able to you know process their mm. hurt in mm. real time as yeah. well so all this people, well get over it this is something you guys have been saying so why are you angry now that he said it, it it's still a shit thing to say yeah definitely excuse my french <laughs> no, no 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 straight up like be real yeah it, and uh i know other artists have come in you know posthumously but after the fact distanced distanced themselves from R. Kelly but I think one thing that was interesting about the show is obviously the timeline of it so I have personally known not like personally but like as just a black person I've known about the rumours about R. Kelly I would Mm. say literally as long as I've known about R. Kelly like I remember hearing about the Aaliyah thing when I was I must have been eight oldest uh, hearing about that. That's really young. Yeah, I was mad young. Yeah, I think it was literally the first time I heard Aaliyah. And I'm older than you, so. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the first time I heard Aaliyah, somebody then told me that story. And at okay. that point, okay, so I'd known R. Kelly for a bit because I knew R. Kelly so that, you know, story was explained to me. Was, and was then someone older really, than you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this was right. someone older than me, right. yeah. Um, but yeah, from then, I've known. And then the um, video, uh, everybody's known. It's become a, a a joke, almost like a, a black meme before memes only existed on yeah. Twitter. Um, there was a Boondocks episode. So this is like, 
Chappelle show. Yeah, exactly. Mm. This there's been a lot of knowledge about it. But see, I wouldn't say knowledge. I feel mm. like there's like ugh, fractured like pieces of information. Yeah, that people because for me, what really you know made the documentary good for mm. me was like the breadth of like his his depravity. It mm. was just so deep and so wide, and yeah. it's just like. I didn't know that it was like almost systemic. Mm. You know, he 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 had a, he had like a he had like a little template yeah. for for how to abuse these girls. Mm. You know, you separate them from. I guess it's like the abuser's template, but you separate, you get gain their trust from mm. the parents, yeah. gain their trust, then you then you you know alienate them from people who care about them, mm. lock them up and stuff like that. Yeah, and it, and I was just thinking, it's not like the odd thing where like it's isolated thing. This was mm. like actually thought out, actually planned mm. out. And it was just evil. Yeah. And I think that is actually the game changer because yeah. for a long time, I, I would say personally, it seemed that the divide on R. Kelly was, well, we all kind of accept that it was him in the video. Um, we kind of joke it off uh, and he wasn't found guilty. Bang, we accept it. Now, obviously, you've heard the depths of the story yeah. from... And I don't really want to at all go into, you know, any detail whatsoever. From but so, but from so many people. Though. From so many people, including his wife. Um, now that there is two things. One, fuller, much fuller knowledge of what his behavior was, um, allegedly, and still is, allegedly. Um, only saying that legal schmeagle, whatever. Um and also now that there's a, I think it's fair to say there's a bit of a change in the zeitgeist now with yeah. living in the kind of Me Too era. We now know, one, we know more than we did and we cannot pretend you that can't we ignore don't. It. You can't we can't ignore, ignore it. it. And uh, two, there's definitely a change. The cultural shift. A cultural shift. So now the question is, what do we do uh, with R. Kelly? Particularly as... I guess he means more to like African-Americans than he does to like black people from the rest of the world. But we are essentially his primary audience. Um, I feel like yeah. our girl is what, still... What, still what, but then what also do we like do? the people he's been primarily abusing as well. Mm. So it's kind of like... Uh, yeah. And that's where the... Yeah, there's so many so, la- yeah, layers The question, it, what do we do with R. Kelly? Yeah. First of all, he needs to be... The victims need to be taken away from him. Mm-hmm. And there has to be some sort of justice. Mm. Um, he needs to go through the judicial process, mm. even though I guess, I guess a lot of people don't have faith in it. Mm. But but culturally, that needs to happen. yeah. But that's that's legally it might it, it it could happen. It could not. His own actual case, which he got acquitted for, took six years to to make it to the court. Right, largely because he wanted it to take. But six there's years also but there's also court, will allegedly. there's also will now. Like, yeah, people don't have that will back mm. in the day to really like go for it. But mm. now. It's like you can't ignore the evidence, mm. like the body of evidence that's there. So first of all, he needs to be, I think for, for the culture, he needs to go through mm. the legitimate like avenues mm. to in order to like really, for people to really understand that he committed a crime. Yeah. And and put it in that kind of context. And, yeah. then, and, then, and then we can talk about his legacy like afterwards. Well, I think... Because I, in, the, in, the, in the right now, mm. like you... He, Stuff needs to happen because mm. there are people still suffering, and mm. I think like the main focus needs to be the girls and how they get out and, I get how, and the help they need. I I do actually that's I totally agree with that. Um, I guess at my and I don't know what the, the answer to this is. Genuinely, is a question. I'm not trying to like make a stupid question here, but 
now that we know, oh, now that we've heard these stories, right? So you go to a um, a family function, to the club, you've heard this, everything, and bump and grind comes on, or ignition comes on, or step in the name of com- uh, in the name of love comes on, and there is a overwhelmingly positive reaction to mm. that because there has in all my life with all of the. Um, not as detailed, but with all of the knowledge of, you know, what he did and people not even accepting it as alleged, people accepting it as fact, there's still been overwhelmingly positive reaction because there's positive associations with his music. But now, we now know what we know. What do we do? Do we just go, well, music bangs, guy's an asshole, guy's the walking devil, but stepping in the name of love is still... What do we do with that legacy? Like, are we being harmful to his victims by still enjoying that music now in the full knowledge of what they went through? Or are we just enjoying, for many people, what are memories? Like, you don't, I, I am 27. I'm old enough to say that a lot of his music is memories of times in my life yeah. for me. So what as as what what do we do with that now? Yeah. I know there's this whole, there's the mute R. Kelly move uh movement, um, which tackles his music and his concerts and stuff like that. But is is that is that the answer? Mute R. Kelly, do we erase him in that sense uh from from history? Is is the fact that what yeah, what do we yeah. do? Yeah. I feel like I don't know, I was reading something that was trying to compile all his songs, uh, and specifically being like, this one was about this incident and this was about this incident. So these are the songs that are officially like blocked and we're not gonna listen to them anymore. I I feel like I get what that's trying to do, but I just feel like it's not helpful way to move forward because Mm. that's based on I guess like what you know like for certain but you Mm. don't know how many like other songs and albums have to do with this Mm. so essentially I don't know I think it I think like to your question it probably is harmful I think to the victims to Mm. be like yeah this is a tune we're gonna dance but then also I think people are always just gonna react individually and it's like how yeah it's about like about the practical elements of it like I feel like it's a personal decision. You, mm. can, you can decide whether you want to listen to R. Kelly or whatever. Mm. Um, I've already seen, like, before this uh, Surviving R. Kelly thing came out, the documentary came out, I'd already I'd already seen, like, pockets of, like, resist- resistance to his music. Yeah. So mm. I was a co- at a concert or something, and the DJ, you know, just before, you know, as the warm-up, before the main act came on, like, R. Kelly came on, like, he put it on, and people were like, turn that shit off, you mm. know? So I've already seen pockets of, like, and I, I don't listen to R. Kelly, but it's not a thing that I was like, I'm never going to hear his music, or when I hear his songs, I'm going to faint or melt or whatever, mm. you know? I think now it's a pers- it's a personal thing. I'm not going to be, oh, I'm going to listen to his music regardless, because mm. I feel like that kind of shows that you don't care about the victim, because mm. it's like, oh, whatever, whatever he did, I don't care. I'm not going to do that, but... It's a, it's it's a personal choice. Um, yeah. You, I, my thing would be practical steps is to make sure he doesn't make money mm. <laughs> if he can. Try not to stream his music. Mm. You know, I've actually got like you know his songs and you know on iTunes. If I were ever to play his music again, I wouldn't go and stream it because that means more revenue for him. Mm-hmm. Don't go to his concerts because that means more revenue for him. Mm. Don't buy his albums or whatever, whatever. That means more revenue for him. Like so, there are practical ways. Um, because the reason he could abuse so many to this extent is because of his wealth mm. as well. Like that, that was his main, like he could pay so many people off to do so many things and people would just 
hush up and mm. let him carry on with it. So you take up, take away his health, his wealth. He's already like impoverished, you know. So I've heard like he's losing his houses and whatever, whatever has to pay child support. So there are ways that we can actually impact him, but like it has to be a collective effort. But as for the music, whether people listen to R. Kelly or not, try not to enrich him. <laughs> I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because obviously try and not put money in his pocket yeah. is definitely you know, something that makes sense. Um I don't know, I'm still like I've still been mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it for a while and I still don't really know in terms of what the right thing to do in terms of like his legacy exists. Cause I know he's like a jokey debate, the king of R and B, but for me, in terms of musical ability, like his ability to switch from uh raw sexual tracks to spiritual tracks to um family tracks is like in that sense musically alone is someone who you have to put in the conversation if not top of the tree genius Uh, level yeah genius level king of r&b that is fully fully justified but you know is that then something that we continue on for he's firstly he's realistically speaking not the first artist to have I think like Chuck Berry died two years ago or something, and that's when I learned that he had pretty much the same shit going on. But as far as for me, all I knew of Chuck Berry is like he was the grandfather of rock and roll or something like that. Is is it if in fifty years people are going, oh yeah, you know Robert Kelly R Kelly has died and he's the king of R and B, and that's all people know about him? Is is that down to us making a decision to, yeah. you know, keep him as a king of R&B? Is it now our ter- our chance to say, no, you know what? Doesn't matter how talented you are. Doesn't matter what you put out there. We will shut it down. Or do you d- divorce the um, man from the music? Can you divorce the man from the music? In in Especially in the context that we... That we know. That's that's what is really interesting for me. Going forward, what do we do with the legacy that at the end of the day, people's legacy is built by people. The majority yeah. do build as much as an individual decision, the majority yeah. build that legacy. And if, who and who remembers you? Yeah, it's who who remembers you is the reason why your notoriety or your fame or whatever happens to be lives on. You know, his image is no longer in his hands, as it was for all of those years when he would if the documentary is to be fully believed, would put out the right type of music to quench the wrong type of rumors for him. Like he mm. controlled or uh, manipulated his image in that way. He no longer has control of his image. It's very clear now. He doesn't have control of that. Of, of and that's partly like perception. social media. Mm-hmm, exactly. We live like, in, a, you know, in a new age. So yeah. how R. Kelly is remembered from now, I think is, is down to us. And I think it's a decision that has to be made. I feel uh, like collectively to say, well... You know, we choose to, you know, step off the floor if Bump and Grind comes on and boo the DJ. So yeah. DJs know, mm. you know what? Guess we can't play this yeah. guy no mm. more. Um, I feel like it's our responsibility because I feel like people who ca- who are older than us mm. kind of failed. Um, kind of failed, these girls. Kind of failed black women. Um, so they didn't do anything about it. Like, some people wrote about it back in the day and stuff like that, but... It didn't take. So now that it's taken, I think, I think, you know, spread the word, more people will know. I feel like now it's down to us. Um, mm. I feel like we can, we can say that, yeah. But then he's, I also feel he's like, talented, oh, sorry. but, sorry, he's talented, <laughs> but the music, but 
my thing is like if you listen to his music and you think about who the subject matter might have That's been exactly mm. exactly like, what I mean that, the that would be that would be off putting to me mm-hmm. do you know what I mean so mm-hmm. that's just like Wait, so what are you talking about 14-year-old girl then? Like, mm-hmm. that just lose that just changes. Like, yeah. like if you go through the lyrics, you're like, you want to vomit, you know? Some of the things, like, he, he was more even than, saying, yeah, he was saying, Little vomit. Lee has got it in, um, oh, there's one song he goes, yeah, he um, mentioned Little uh, Lee. Yeah, 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 I'm, I can hear the song yeah, in my head, yeah. yeah. And vibe, 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 yeah. Vibe, yeah. And I was just like, you know, like and, and that's feeling, thing, feeling, feeling on your feeling booty. Feeling on your booty. Who and is that's that one about? Thing, one thing uh, that was said in the documentaries that for all this time he hid in plain sight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He hid in plain sight, but so yeah. I, I think like for some people it might be more comfortable just to mm. ignore that fact or whatever, mm. whatever. But you know, if you want to ignore that, that's fine. But we, is that, it fine? But that's, that's that's the question. Is it fine? I, I feel like people in their cognitive dissonance. That's that's on them. You know, yeah. <laughs> you can't control people. Yeah, you can't control people, but you can tell people that this is and what isn't going to work. Because we do it. We do it all the time. Oh, do, do, like, like, did time. you know? You just pop up. Like, did you know that this was about? No, no, an no underage no, no, girl. No, 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 not that way. <laughs> but obviously, like there are ways in which we let people know. What is and isn't, you know, acceptable. Yeah. acceptable. Yeah. Like that's that's not a ridiculous statement to say that, you know, society's one thing societies do is we socially police. We can set the tone. Yeah, definitely. we set the tone. Yeah. So, yeah, Nicole, you're gonna say yeah. something before we wrap up this uh, oh, lovely talk. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say like, uh, in relation to like how he's remembered or like what we do now at the moment, like whether it comes on and off. I was gonna say that I think like social media is really great, but unfortunately, I think. The thing with social media is that you can feel like you're doing so much when perhaps in like real life, in quote, quote, unquote, mm. not so much is being like achieved. So yeah. you you kind of think that you're obviously everyone's like really angry about it. But sometimes you feel like you're part of like a bigger, like global anger. And then when it comes to like these moments of it being played in clubs and stuff, like nothing happens. People are like, wait, and you're like, wait, hang on. I thought we were collectively yeah. pissed off about this. Are we not like, cancelling anymore? Yeah, because yeah. I've had situations point, yeah. where like, do you remember um, Blurred Lines by yeah, yeah. Rob, Robin Thicke? Robin yeah. Thicke, yeah. Um, I remember being like, yeah, we're cancelling this song. No one likes this. And then like every time I went out, it was played and I was like, what was is going on? Anywhere. And it was never like, it just didn't seem to reach any of the DJs or anything. So and I had like the bubble. Yeah. And I had like moments where I would like step off the dance floor and be like, I'm refusing mm-hmm. to dance and be like the only person. And like after like a year or so, I was like, I don't know what this is achieving me. Like not, not that I'm saying people should be like divorcing the art from the artist, but I didn't know what me not being involved was achieving. It didn't feel like very much. So yeah, I, yeah. I, guess, it, I guess it demonstrates people's short memory in terms of these kind of things. And like you said, social media, not every, everybody's going to be plugged in and not everybody is plugged into social media like that. So yeah, maybe it might be an echo chamber that we feel like we're doing mm. something. But I guess numbers matter in this mm. in this moment. And also, is it a short memory or is it a willingness to forget? Because there's a two slightly similar, but yeah. quite different things. Yeah, there are things that make people uncomfortable, so mm. they'd rather not. Yeah, exactly. Not Which is it. not a short memory. That's yeah. a willingness to forget. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, Nicole, <laughs> we didn't bring you here to just talk about Robert. Uh, we brought you here to speak about your show. So, at the start of this uh, podcast, we mentioned that uh, Nicole is the writer and performer of a new show called "I Stopped When," which is. Uh, and mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, an exploration of the nuances of interracial dating in Britain. Uh, three poets battle for 
first place in London's biggest slam poetry competition. Kind-hearted Adele, who learns to use words as a shield, Ren, a shy foreign student from Singapore, who gets more than he bargained for when he downloads Grindr, and Naya, a black art activist who finds herself unfavorably in the public eye when she is quote-unquote discovered to be dating a white man. Uh, as the poet's private lives are exposed, their personas stripped away, they must answer a few questions. So firstly, what was the inspiration behind the show? Yeah, um, there were quite a few inspirations. Um, it actually kind of, I think, came out I'd say like maybe organically out of just conversations I was having with friends, um, just conversations about like dating and like relationships and stuff like that. Uh, and then like a lot of my friends who perhaps like I didn't know this beforehand were like telling me about how they kind of like only date within their race because of like negative experiences and stuff like that, mm -hmm. which I just didn't know about them in general. So yeah. I thought, oh, this is really interesting. So we had like really interesting conversations about So were it. these black friends who... Yeah, okay. yeah, primarily black friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just found it interesting because it wasn't something that I knew of. Not that I, I didn't know of, as in like, I didn't know these particular people felt that way. Mm. Um, and it usually came down to one thing, which is usually like, oh, I feel like in past relationships, like there's been a disconnect or like I felt like really fetishized like mm. within that relationship. Mm. And I thought, and then I started thinking back to like my past relationships and being like, oh yeah, I felt like that too. But I just found it interesting the different ways people deal with it because a lot of my friends were like, I've just decided to date within my race. Mm. Whereas like that was never like my initial like reaction to it when it happened to me. So I kind of wanted to write something that explored like that disconnect and how people feel within relationships. And you've done it through the characters, which is really interesting. Um, so the characters in the play, they're poets. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you and then you look at their like like the secret lives of poet. Kind yeah, of yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of like a half half the play is like this sort of live slam poetry yeah. competition where I guess like the poets are bringing their A game. Yeah, and, and then half of it is like backstage, and you're kind of seeing like all their relationships and things fall apart, and how much of that comes back onto the stage. Yeah, again. and it's all connected with like with what they choose to. Uh, talk about in their poetry yeah yeah, yeah. it's reflected of their inner turmoil i guess yeah totally. and their lives and which causes like a lot of issues because mm. people don't want them to be talking about what they are talking mm. about because mm. uh, it's all stuff to do with like identity and race and these kinds of things mm, that's interesting like do you think people are uncomfortable with people talking about their race or identity or is it certain people I think it's certain people in certain circles. It depends on your performing. <laughs> I don't know. Like some people I'm are going to so be like, shady. Yes. I'm shady. <laughs> now I like to make shows about race. I think the reactions are always really interesting. Yeah. Um, especially sometimes depending sometimes, on where you take it. Yeah, it's, just good, it's just good to sit back and watch, like put it out there and watch like how people react. Yeah. Like who's squirming and who's like, yeah. Understanding. Because like I guess I, I would say that black people aren't uncomfortable about talking talking about race, but I guess they could be uncomfortable talking about race in certain settings. And in certain settings, some people might not want to hear it. So yeah, that's also really interesting. And um, Chama, you mentioned about the interracial. Yeah. I mean, it is obviously something that is mentioned in the blurb of the show. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's been different, I mean, the story of an activist being discovered to uh, be dating a white man is something I would say some people might recognize as happening in real life. Yeah. Okay. So like this was also, so I wouldn't say 
So we can just like name things, right? We can't. Is that touchy? <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think a lot of <laughs> listeners will know what story that it parallels. So, okay, well, not that it inspired the play because I'd already kind of written most yeah. of the play by this point. But like there was obviously like the big news story about Kalechi Okafor and her partner, um, which got me thinking again. And I would say probably helped shape some of the characters. Because I was going um, to ask, this this is set in more than times. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because the fact yeah. that someone could be discovered to be dating another human being Ruh. is quite shocking. Yeah. Wow, you yeah, say yeah, shocking, yeah. Man, that's literally <laughs> But the thing is, that's like, that's, that's contemporary stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's still mean? really stupid to me. It's like shock horror, you know, she's hiding, yeah. a, she's hiding a white man behind Crazy. the curtains, you know. To the extent of having to like write an article yeah, about it. That's, I just, that I just thought that... That was a bizarre. That was a bizarre time. It was really wild. But time it, was, it was. It was. It was. telling because a lot of people, I guess, it was the uh, p- the question that was posed uh, to Kelechi was that personal versus um, mm-hmm, political, mm-hmm. and I guess this is this is something that you decided to explore in the show. That tension, yeah, yeah. Like that, I feel like in that case, like there didn't need to be like such a big. Like tension between mm. the two I think maybe So I remember listening Because I listened to her podcast Like pretty much religiously Like for a while And I think she mentioned Maybe like in one podcast Like her boyfriend or something like that mm. And I remember just listening Being like oh okay It wasn't like a Oh my gosh I'm so angry Oh she's dating a white guy I was just like oh As in because her platform is so like She like has made such a big name of herself Like always speaking out about Like white supremacy and things like that I just was kind of like Oh okay that's interesting Like She's built up a different image to what I expected. Cool, moving on. And then I remember like a or month do, later, or did people you build up a different image? Or I built up yeah. a different image just based on like stuff that she said, like every time saying like, oh, the white man, the white man. And me, to be honest, not disagreeing with anything she was saying. Yeah. I was like, yeah, preach. Because I think um, it's part, part assumption, part how a person, yeah. you know, and obviously, relays like, themselves. Yeah, and you only see like little bits of people's lives exactly. on social media and then you like build up the rest and, you and you're like, I know what their them. life yeah. is like. Um, so I was just like, cool. And then I remember like two weeks later seeing like all of this stuff and I was like, wow, people are actually really mad about this. It's crazy. My thing is, I think with the collection situation, I haven't really talked about it, but I just thought, um, at the time I thought privately, I didn't, I don't think she needed to write a BBC article Mm. explaining her relationship. I thought that was redundant. Um, and I thought that it was quite, it was quite clear that there was an agenda, that there were people who... Guess who had been mm. waiting for this moment? You know? Yeah. Because I, I already knew that she'd been, that she was with a white man. And and I just thought like, whatever, it's her it's her relationship, right? But I guess, I guess people might have thought, oh, she looks a bit, a bit funny in the light that, you know, oh, that she talks, talks black. Some people will say that she talks black, but sleeps white. That's a... Is that a phrase? That's a, th- a phrase that people oh, use. Wow. Okay. Talk, talk black, sleep white. And I was like, okay. Some people, some people have said that. And I also... When um, she was on the show, The Grapevine, yeah. the, YouTube, the YouTube show, this they had a conversation about interracial dating. And she said that she was with a white man. So I don't think this, this was news to many people. But because of the whole polemic of, of, the, of the Grapevine and stuff like that, which I thought was, part, was you know, weirdly timed, I'm not going to lie, um, that's when the conversation came up. And there were people who had like their knives sharpened for Kalechi, I don't think she had any mm. explaining to do. Mm. That's her personal life, you know, but... I think th- she did. I think she was probably just pissed off, yeah. understandably, and was like, I'm going to 
Well, I guess you did explain it, but I, I, also I felt, I felt like that this is le- my life. I'm that made comment it, on it more as well. legitimate. The fact that she answered, you know, she gave she gave air, she gave air to that question or whatever the people were questioning. You know, she should have just ignored it if it were me, you know, because why should you explain what mm. you do but, privately? So Nicole, for you as as a writer, primarily anyway, um, is that something a question that you particularly ask yourself? The connection between the, the personal and the political because your last play at the vault last year was yeah. called uh, for, for a black for girl. A, for a black girl mm-hmm. so obviously race is a primary theme uh in you and and because that this is something that you write about um do you feel that maybe people will uh like many many um black people maybe even primarily black women really having this you know if you talk about race mm. if you wear your hair naturally if you talk about these politicized issues you have a i guess uh, a, an image put upon you uh, uh you're put into a certain box do you feel a need to represent that box or step or even step out of that box when you write is that a conflict that you have that kind of how will i be seen personally mm-hmm. uh, if people don't really see my political and my personal matching up do you ever have a a conflict and particularly right in this show did you have that conflict yeah like i think i think it's difficult a lot of the time to separate the personal and political but i feel like so actually it's almost been the opposite with this show like i've had worries that like oh people are gonna think that everything that's in the play is like my personal opinion Mm. and like my personal view and interracial dating and it's like not necessarily it's just me kind of like telling these stories because a lot of them so i like to like use verbatim techniques mm-hmm. in my story so a lot of the situations that happen on stage come out of like real life events mm. that you know from people that i've spoken to or like interviewed or whatever and so it's like never me trying to like portray a particular idea it's just mm. me saying like this stuff happens yeah and, and you want is, to explore it yeah and yeah. this is like an example of something that's happened mm. we should be talking about it mm. um yeah so is the personal political do you know what that <laughs> is a personal political if that's a question to me i would say uh, as much as i, I always want to say no but i think it really ultimately is like it is uh something that people are going to see as an identifying factor for you people often base people's uh moral kind of uh compass around i think okay let's let me put it like this there are two things that people like to find out about you to place their mm-hmm. moral compass around you. One, which is decreasing in the West increasingly, is uh, religion, your religious affiliation or your beliefs. Uh, and increasing in the West, I think, is your political stances. Yeah, I think people will find out what political stance you are and then draw a moral comp- uh, compass around mm-hmm. you and say, okay, so this is what you believe. So... Is it is it personal? I think it's perceived as personal. How personal you then choose to take it is up to you. But to deny that it's perceived as personal is very much increasingly, I think, perceived. Yeah, I think the personal, uh, personal. Yeah, it has to be political because it's everything that you do personally comes out of like your own beliefs and value systems, which is like inherently political. Mm. I agree. I do. I do. I asked this, but I was being facetious. So I do. <laughs> I do believe that the personal is political and. And what you do in your personal life is somewhat a reflection of 
inevitably of your political views, I mm. would say. Um, but life is funny, though. Life is funny, like, nothing fits perfectly. So I do think there has to be scope for, like, for us to talk about this in a nuanced way um, and not just black and white. So, you know, if if you're looking at me and you see me like a white man or whatever... Mm. Um, I might have I'm laughing because it's Sacha. Let me just be <laughs> let me just be honest, yeah. I'm laughing because it's Sacha because she's my friend. And that's the reason I'm laughing, yeah. So that people know the deal. But I wouldn't want someone to just look at me, um take look at me and in a snapshot and just see me me and just with that white man and not find out anything else about me. Yeah, yeah. So so that's what I'm saying. I do believe the person is political, but it's a sticky one, isn't it? <laughs> it's a sticky one still. Charm is gone. Nah, listen, I'm, I'm in the room. I'm in the room. So, <laughs> yeah. Nah, let me, let me not go there. So you, you, you briefly touched on it. Um, you're kind of, uh, you're interested to see how kind of black audiences will uh, perceive this play. Um, we are going to go off the point of interracial dating, but we just wanted to speak about this. So as obviously a black um, British woman, another black British woman has been feeling a lot of heat recently for mm. a piece of art she produced about interracial dating. Um, Amasante, obviously, uh, inter- yeah, a piece of art she produced about interracial love, interracial dating. Um, when Hands Touch has been panned. Uh, and for you as a, um, yeah, as a black British writer, who's about to put into the world something about the same subject um, and seeing that a lot of the negative, not all, I'll say not all, but a lot of the negative response has been from quote-unquote our people. Yeah. Uh, is that something that's on your mind? Is that something that's... You're hyper-aware of. Yeah, or mm. do you just kind of, you know, leave that at the door? For me, I just have to sort of relax and just be like, like you can't represent everyone yeah. and you can't tell everyone's stories yeah. like even like some of the stories that are in I stopped when it's not my experience mm. of interracial dating you know um and so I kind of just have to remember like I'm telling these people's stories and these people's stories are valid whether they are uh this person who's sitting in row A's experience or this person sitting in row D's experience like this stuff is happening and it's like important to talk about yeah uh because I think like obviously 2019 and so like some people I speak to are very much like like what is there to say about it like there's like so many interracial like relationships that's and stuff like that that's interesting to me as well because I, if I wonder if the reverse on the flip side are non-black playwright playwriters mm. um covering this subject matter are they are they going into it like we like black people seem to be um because I have some feelings about Amar Sante. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I just feel like where hands touch, like as soon as I heard about it on paper, I was just like, <laughs> no fucking way. <laughs> I was just like, no. I read it. I was like, no way, right? So I haven't seen it. I haven't like I I even forgot it existed, right? And but it seems to be like a recurring thing to her. So again, it's a personal political. Is, is that is that is that yeah. something imp- important to her? And and the fact that what gets me is that she was unable to take the criticism mm. against, you know, not against, but it's just like this, like as a movie, as a concept that did, I don't think that needed to be made. And I don't feel like as, some stories don't need to be told. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm not sorry. But it's just like, 
um, a Nazi guy mm, in the Hitler youth hmm, with a. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just, I just, I just heard nigger music in my. Head. <laughs> Do you know? Did you see that bit? No, I didn't. Did you listen. not? I, 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 I actually, I made an actual decision. Not sorry, there's this is, this is one clip. Yeah, like I need to explain. Like I'm not, I just don't say the n word like that. But there's a, you know a, a scene where the Hitler Youth guy and the guy and the Amanda Stenberg, they're in mm. love, whatever. And then some, he was he was talking about jazz, and she asks, "Oh wait, oh, nigger music." That's oh, what? she says it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She said it. And the accent was just, it was just funny. But yeah, I just think like, hmm, is, are you a little bit obsessed? Not you, not you, Nicole, but I'm Asante. Like, are you a little bit obsessed with this particular subject matter? Especially as in your personal life, it reflects mm. the fact that you're also in an interracial relationship. Yeah. Mm. So that goes like, to that personal mm. political yeah, uh, so kind of just question. Like, just kind of exploring. Yeah, so certain questions, through. like my eyebrows was like, okay, we get it. You're in an interracial relationship. <laughs> and then that goes we to get a, it. a further question is, you know, uh, as art, as an artist and as art, artists, is then uh, how much of your art is personal and then how much of that is taking political. There's so many mm, kind yeah. of like layers to it. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, making art to explore a subject that is in your life, but then will it then be seen as, I guess that's the thing that like, I don't think anyone ever wants to go into life feeling like they justify the way they live. That's not like, I, I wouldn't want to make anything to justify the fact that, you know, I'm a black dude or any part of my identity. But isn't but art then, like quite personal, isn't it? Is yeah, it and, inherently and, and, personal? And, yeah, that's, that's, that is what, yeah, that's the thing. Art is, it, it's, it's personal. It's a personal exploration. Of some kind of subject But I guess with black artists Particularly with black artists There often is An expectation of some kind of Politicised Statement being made Oh my gosh yes. And I don't know if, if, if that's something That you feel um, uh, And we're going to like talk a bit more About like your journey as, as a writer And, a, and um, a performer But if you feel like see, You've put out two pieces of work that heavily deal with race uh, an expectation that okay now you're going to write something it's going to be mm. you know, yeah. heavily mm-hmm. politicized mm-hmm. like are you typecast into, mm. into so like, I find this interesting because for me like I guess that you could look at some of the work I've made and mm. just be like okay cool she's writing about race for me I don't see it like that and I think because I don't see it like that I don't really care what people think okay. like I genuinely don't because for me I'm more interested in like nuances of aspects to do with race so i'm never thinking oh i'm just gonna make a show about black culture like no it's like um i'm gonna specifically look at like dating as a black woman or i'm gonna specifically look at um i made a show that was about like the evolution of the n-word because i just found it interesting Mm -hmm. like specific parts instead of just being like i'm black i'm making a show about being black do you know what i mean yeah looking at specific things um and then i think it's interesting because people probably have like an expectation but I think it would just be really like not trying to be mean but like stupid of people to assume that I'm only ever going to make stuff about race like I, you say I'm it's not stupid, but gonna I do that a lot of a lot of people assume that in you know um wasn't like black ballad essentially started for the purpose that yeah. it's assumed that black women writing are gonna write about yes, some aspect oh of race yeah, yeah and true. that's a whole platform a whole business was started literally on that on that basis that that's that's the basis that black women writers were kind of living under 
Yeah. So, it's, it's a bit it's a bit weird like thinking that whatever you make has to be completely devoid of who you are. That's that's a bit of a mm. weird a yeah. weird ask. Like of course you're a black woman like it's like asking me to just talk about being a woman without bringing my blackness into it or being black without bringing the fact that I'm yeah, a woman into it. Like I can't totally. separate yeah, any yeah, of totally. that. So all of that if I were to make something it would be a reflection of the life I've had yeah. as a black woman. And it's just stuff that like happens in life that I'm like, oh, that's interesting to make sure about. I'm not like, I must write about race. It's more mm. of like, this happened to me. Yeah. Oh, and it probably happened because I'm a black woman. That's mm. interesting to explore. Well, well, that, well that's to... like our life. Mm. <laughs> our life generally, isn't it? Yeah. It's probably because probably I'm black. <laughs> Is it because I'm black? <laughs> so how, how have you found, uh, briefly you mentioned kind of different audience perceptions and like mm. joked not skirted around it but kind of joked around it so in your past work you see you're just making work that's about your life but how have you found uh yeah audiences reactions to it when they've come up to you or mentioned it on social etc yeah so like it's been interesting because i think so when we did for a black girl at vault festival mm. for example um it was like a prime primarily yeah that's the word primarily white audience um, which is really interesting because like when we did it in like the curved slough, like it was a much more diverse audience. Um, and I think because that show is very like in your face and like doesn't like sugarcoat anything. I was kind of like, oh, people are probably going to have like really mixed opinions. What to was this. it about? Because it sounds so familiar. I feel like I went to see it. It was like really multifaceted. It was kind of like a, a series of vignettes about, yeah. and it was like semi-autobiographical. Yeah. So that was really like yeah. personal, political combined. Yeah. Um, which this one isn't so much. Um, and it was kind of about like, so the premise was a conversation that I had with a friend and he basically told me that racism and sexism don't exist in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> your face, you're just like, <laughs> excuse me. That was my reaction. It was a bit stronger than that. But then I wrote a whole play, um, kind of like, I guess, like dissecting that comment. And yeah, so that was kind of what it was about. I, I, I either went to see it or I... Heard about it like some theatre through the great oh, brands. Cool. Probably on the thread that I posted. Yeah, probably, <laughs> yeah. Something like it's just ringing bells in my in my head, you know. Yeah, it had like a, quite a positive response actually, which I was surprised by because I didn't expect it to have such a positive response because I was basically just like ripping a ton of like I don't know like looking at stereotypes and it probably didn't like put I would say specifically the white man in like the most favorable light ever but I did have a lot of people come up to me and be like oh yeah I've kind of said stuff like that in the past Mm. and oh that's made me think about that and I was like really happy because I was like that's all that is there for it's just to foster a conversation um and yeah Um, what's your journey been like as a playwright as you know playwright is it playwright playwright yeah playwright. playwright sorry Sorry, guys, Show my <laughs> ignorance as a playwright. Like, um, you're fairly young and, you know, what was that like? Just, you know, what what set you off? What inspired mm. you? Like, did you see people in that space or you, were you, are you like one of the only ones that are there? Uh, actually, so I started off more writing novels mm-hmm. um, just because I was like really in love with like, I guess, storytelling in general, but I really love reading books. Um, and then I did 
my undergrad in like drama and creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then I was like much more interested in like books and things like that. And also performance. So lots of people were like, oh, you're taking drama and creative writing. Oh, so you want to be a playwright? And I was like, no, I want to be an actor who writes novels, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, and then I think it was like when I was doing postgrad more and I studied like devised theatre, which I find really interesting. Um, but I missed writing a lot. And so I started like doing a little bit more writing alongside. And then I was inspired by like some plays that I performed in as well um, when I was a bit younger. And that's kind of like got me to start writing plays. So this play, I Stopped When, is I think my fourth one now. That's brilliant. Yeah. And like any roadblocks, any major, if someone wants, to, if someone was listening to this, like any what to do to be a playwright as well. Mm. Any like top two top tips? tips. <laughs> yeah. Um. I would say it sounds like so cliche, but like, just do it. Yeah. Like, just don't be like, oh, I want to write plays and sit down, like actually write your play. And then once your play is written, then you can start thinking about like, there's like, especially if you're in London, there's like endless opportunities to be involved in like a scratch or something yeah. like that. And just kind of like try and get it out as like much as possible. Yeah. Did you do any scratch nights as well? Um, For this show, no. I did like, I did an R&D at like my old school mm-hmm. for it. Um, and then I've done a scratch at the Omnibus Theatre for like the shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But that's the only scratch I've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it, what's really interesting is you're the, in this series of the show, third, I believe, um, writer uh, to come on. And you're the, also the third to, like all three of you have been mm. interdisciplinary. Like no one's mm. actually started off uh, as a playwright. Um, they've started off actually writing for other mediums yeah uh, be it poetry novels etc so what is it specifically about theater that you think draws writers from other mediums to want to put something onto the stage um i think maybe like the liveness of theater people like you've got like an audience right in front of you you can like the atmosphere is just like very electric and i think because I perform as well. Mm. I already had like an interest in like performance, even though actually it started more with screen and then like moved to theatre. I kind of like the fact that you're like in this intimate space and you can you can have like a banter with the audience mm. and stuff like that. And then as well, I think it's difficult, or at least for me anyway, to go straight into playwriting. Like when I was a kid, I didn't even know you could read a play. Like there were right. just books everywhere. I didn't yeah. even, so I don't know how anyone goes straight into playwriting. Maybe that parents Sounds are like, like playwrights or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that was definitely like a secondary thing that came in. Okay, cool. So um, I stopped when. When can people see it? Where can people get tickets? Tell us, so, give us the details. They can see it on 23rd to the 27th of January. Uh, and you can get tickets if you go on the Vault Festival website. You go on What's On. Because we're in week one. We're like right there at mm-hmm. the very top. Um, and Lynn Gardner gave us a little shout out the other day. Oh, is so, it? Yeah, okay, yeah, well, yeah. So okay. very excited. She was Look like, I'm that. looking forward to seeing the show. And I was like, oh, Jeez. pressure. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this year. Last year was what, like, it was a bit hard to find. So mm, it's like literally oh, like the it's underground. The yeah. So when you get to Waterloo, just ask for like direction. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it yeah. took me ages to find it. I worked for a company that did um, a show there. So I can find it like uh, as yeah. now. But yeah. You just got to go out through place. the Lush exit and then down some steps. And there, there you go. Done. How to even get there? That's the promo. Come see. So that is the name of the play again. I Stopped When. And thank you so much, Nicole, for talking about your play and your career. And also it's directed by uh, Dorcas Aini Stevens, who uh, is 
a relative, I guess, of the show. Yeah. Because she is Jules' sister, um, as oh. our regular listeners will know, because she's stood in when I've been off. So, yeah. yeah. Even more reason to go and so see exciting. it. Uh, so, songs of the week. We didn't ask you to provide a song of the week, Ooh. but is there a song you've been uh, bumping this week that you want to share with our listeners? Does it have to be like a recently no, just, song? Or just a general song? Whatever you're, you're feeling. Ooh. Um... Do you want us to do ours and then Yeah, do yours. I actually do have one. I'm trying to think what yeah? I can listen Sacha, to. Yeah, Sacha, come on. Give it, give it to us. Because um, I ain't heard this song. So do you want me to play it now? Yeah, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Talk about it. Yeah. So this song um, is fairly new. Um, came out, I, I would say, probably towards the end of December. Um, and it's such, a, it's such a weird way, like the way that um, social media works, because I'd never heard the song. I was, I, it's not really... I'm not the target audience. I don't really listen to um, that type of genre. But there was a video of these two white girls dancing. Oh <laughs> my God. No, Sakia, this is how you find your song of the week. So it's, no, pick an extra track. Pick an extra track. No, look, I don't believe look, it. You find music in many different ways. Oh, you know? no. I find music like listening oh, to an is. advert. I find music when I'm going oh, shopping and I would just like God. take my Shazam out. Like I find like the best music just like by random. You know when your friends come mood. and just surprise you differently? <laughs> they come and do us on you like oh, so, no. so there was these two white girls and then like I was like what's going on so I clicked play and then they started doing like this dancing I was like okay I mean I think people were like overhyping them but I you feel think like people yeah. them. I feel like I feel like black people mm. they were living their life black people just gassed anyone up <laughs> listen, they're like come on listen if you want to know how I feel about them go back and listen to the Anthony Lennon episode that we done yeah people ask ah. you how could Anthony Lennon have that's how those situations ah. start that's all I'm going to say about right. that. Right. Oh, snap. Yes. Okay, but can I, can I live? Uh, anyway, so so they were, look, they were looking like they were having fun, enjoying yeah. you know, enjoying themselves, you know, doing the reverse trap mash or the trap mash, whatever it's called. And, you know, so I was just like, okay, I will play the video a few times a day and then it would just be like stuck in my head. So finally, three days ago, I actually downloaded it. So um, it's called Options. By NS- NSG and Tion Wayne. So let me just play it for you now. Right, so um, that was that. Like I said, I'm not the target audience. I've, I don't know why. How you <laughs> I don't the know. Audience. I don't know. I don't really. I don't even know what the genre is properly. Like I heard that it's Afro swing. Afro swing. Yeah, or, I think that's what people are guiding with now. I, Afro I, swing. You yeah. know, it's fairly new to me. I don't. I don't listen to uh, really. I don't listen to Afro beats or let alone Afro. Really <laughs> just Portuguese music. But I feel like. Maybe I've got a, a controversial take on Afrobeats, but I feel like Afrobeats... Oh, God, let's hear it. Are, Afrobeats are very... <sighs> I think that they mirror a very specific place in the diaspora. It's, of... It shouldn't be called Afrobeats. It should be called... Thank like... you. Thank you. This is this is what I'm trying to <laughs> this say. Is, this is my personal This is my opinion. polite way of saying, yeah. It's not reflective of, of me and my yeah. experiences. Mm. To, you know, and, and Africa is... 
a, a big a, ass place. A continent made of 54 countries. So, so and you come and call two countries. Two countries Afrobeat. Afro and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't listen to Afrobeat. Listen, I host this show for Nigeria in every week. So, so let me just keep my mouth shut. Uh-uh. I feel like it's representative of, of like maybe a couple of countries mm-hmm. in Africa, in West mm-hmm. Africa specifically. Yeah. And while I am West African, I do speak different yeah, but languages. Yeah, it's, it's a different West African. Yeah, it's a different, life. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, One of my close friends at uni was from from Guinea Bissau as yeah. well. Yeah. Like when you're African and you meet an African who isn't Ghanaian or Nigerian, you just bond in a different. I'm sorry, I know you're Ghanaian, <laughs> it, but on, is it not the truth? You know, yeah. In this country, sorry, my best friend is Ghanaian. So I, I can't know even. Ghanaian, I can't like, even. No, no, no. But you bond in a different way. I'm not saying I got no issues with like. Yeah, because you're not hyped up. We, I'm just saying We bond I'm We bond as like saying. The outsiders yeah, Exactly We bond as like These outsider outsiders, Africans like, You know what I mean We're, oh, not, we're not in the in group Oh yeah See, I didn't even we just know look, this we just look at, yeah, You don't know this You don't know this Because we're outsiders We look at you from the outside And thinking Hmm now they don't know nothing about, about like honestly, ask like ask uh, especially a British born like Ghanaian or Nigerian. Yeah. I'm gonna hold heat for this now. Ask them to name like five other West African countries. Oh, they will struggle. And watch them struggle. They would struggle. Watch them struggle on Twitter now. They'll be like, uh, see everybody. What would be like uh, um, Ghana, Nigeria, Wakanda? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so true. It's so true. People don't get mad. Personally attacked Educate right yourselves. Now. If the shoe fits, don't get mad at the truth. I'm not going to talk too much, but my Ghanaian people, they're calm. So, Nicole, you're good. You're good. Thank you're good, you. Thank you, know? you. But like I said, like, I don't feel like it's representative of, of like... It's not the name. Africa. I, and, and the name is yeah. misleading. So I, mm. don't, so I say I don't listen to Afrobeats. I like the music. I'll listen to the music. But for me, from the get-go, the name was... Jarring. Yeah, it's inaccurate. It's yeah. not... It's not a, it's, yeah, anyway. Yeah. My song of the week. Uh, so this is an artist. You know when you just dis- like on the discover like a similar artist thing? Mm. Yeah, so I was listening to... Uh, I told him like a year ago. Listening to an artist called Napalm. Uh, I've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, heard of what? Huh? Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> they're trying to front. They're trying to front. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. The name, the name was familiar. Mm, okay, fam. Uh, and uh, this guy James Tillman. Um, yeah, he's a bit of a, uh, I'd say, a bit of a, a throwback R&B, not in an LMA type way. So oh, don't worry. God, here we go. Yeah, actually, you might, you might hate this because I don't think you like R&B, do you? I don't care. The song's not. For you. I'm not in love. <laughs> I'm not in love. Boy, listen. Are you taking applications? Yeah, go on. Go on. <laughs> you tell people your Twitter details at the end of the show. <laughs> Slide in the DMs. Um, and this, this, uh, <laughs> oh god, this song is called "And Then" by uh, James Silverman. Yeah, it's a nice chilled vibe. Yeah, that's our mm. Chama's song of the week. And then so by relaxing. James Tillman. Yeah, it's, it's actually a decent, it's decent. Must guy. be really nice, cool. isn't it? Yeah, actually, it really is. I'm not going to lie. It's amazing. <laughs> Can't relate, but anyway, let's go on. Well, you do, drop, your, drop your Twitter details at the end, did it? I'm sure. 
Nicole, what's your song song of the week? Mine's like a lot less chill. Uh, (laughs) It's, uh, I guess, like probably like a dance. You'd probably say pop. Mm, Yeah, let's say pop. Why not? Uh, There's a Brazilian singer called Ludmilla. Oh, I really um, Yeah, and I'm like low-key obsessed uh, And one of my favourite tracks for her is Shige Which I keep listening I to I do that song, yeah Do you? I actually do The only reason I know it is because um, <sighs> MMA fight This girl came out to this Brazilian uh, MMA oh, fight Oh, so wait, so wait You can get music from MMA, yeah? yeah? I can't get it from two girls dancing on social media No, you can't In the, in the context <laughs> if, if you say I feel like I get half my music knew, there, to be fair If you knew like, Satya, yeah, If you knew Satya, like I know Satya well, people don't. You would know why that is just the funniest <laughs> context In which for you to get your song of the week But I'm going to leave it there Because it's not necessary uh, So Shege by Ludmilla That's yes, your song of the week, tune. yeah? Such a translate for us. So basically, she's saying, I'm here. Yeah. Because when you were saying Shege, I was like, I'm, I'm, it, didn't, it didn't click in my mind yet. But she goes, Shege, she's here. She's she's here in her life. She, she's discovered that she's here. I didn't get much from what Hello. she said. But okay. it's about being here okay. in the moment. Were you, were you aware of that? <laughs> I'm teaching myself Portuguese. So oh, need, is it? Yeah, wow, I need okay. bits of it. Is that a correct translation? Think, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's good. Which yeah. one are you learning? Are you learning uh, Brazilian Portuguese or European Portuguese? Oh, yeah. So that's been a whole story. I started learning European Portuguese. There's mm. like... No resources whatsoever for European Portuguese. Really? really? Yeah. Well, actually, we're, nothing. We're, we're still a bigger country. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. And yeah. this is why this is why Portugal has to pattern up here and get like their own. I think they already have this, but they, you know, you know, every language has got like their own school, like mm. where they have to. It's like a an institute. Yeah. And they basically have you know it's the official like Frank the Frankfurt. Institute. Yeah, the Frankfurt. So mm. the Lusophone Institute. Basically. There's the Lusophone Institute. There's the Spanish one, and there's the French one as well. So like, but. Obviously, because Brazil's bigger and there's more speakers, so uh, that's the dominant. Um, yeah, I've started switching to mm. like Brazilian, but it's a shame actually because, yeah, I think oh, European girl, Portuguese just, is really just interesting. Learn the Brazilian but one, it's a lot easier. It's <laughs> the pronunciation. Easier, I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Because even me, I'm like, sorry, what? <laughs> what are you saying? I was in Portugal last well. month and I was just like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> what but you is say? that the first language you learned to speak? But my accent isn't. So when you meet like, um, like proper, let me say native Portuguese people. Yeah, yeah. Um, they sound different to how uh, um, uh, African Lusophone would yeah. sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So it's the same as like you know, you, Fr- you, like Francophone. Yeah. And, uh, or even like English. And, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So like we we sound different. We sound a bit lighter, not as entrenched in our. Not as not as Slavic. <laughs> Why do you say what you want to say? I'm not going to say it because <laughs> she's holding herself back. <laughs> see it on your face. But yeah, we, uh, yeah, we've got okay. more melanin and stuff. We add a bit, oh, a, bit yeah. a bit of there's, zinc. There's a, there's a real such. We add, we add oh, flavor. We, we add flavor to the, to the language. This is, this is, this is, this is, here comes the real, 
the real you. Uh, but guys, that has been the podcast. Uh, remember to uh, share, subscribe, rate, and review. You can find us on Twitter at Artistic SOM. Find us on Instagram at Artistic SOM Pod. And on Facebook, Artistic State of Mind. Uh, Nicole, where can people find you? Oh, um, I'm on Twitter as Nicole Aqua. Oh, and also my company has a Twitter page, which is Aqua, my surname, and then co, like company. Fantastic. Um, you can find Diaspora Development, mm-hmm. the organi- organization that we're launching, um, at this Diaspora Dev, um, at Diaspora Development on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me personally at Impassioned Diaz. Impassioned and it's going to be a Diaz. journey when you find that to I tell you. You can find me on <laughs> at Chalma underscore K on Twitter. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Uh, Peace out. Catch you on the next one.